Hey everybody, it's great to talk to you again. This is Brian, campus pastor at Mount Hope's Belmont Campus. Glad that you're listening to our podcast again this week. The sermon you're about to listen to was recorded on Mother's Day. If you've been with us the last few weeks, you know that we've been in a series about families. And one of the things that is true is that God uses our closest family relationships to shape us into the people that he wants us to be. We're going to talk about that today. And in this sermon, you're going to hear from three women who are part of our church as to how God is using motherhood to shape them. So I hope you'll listen closely because I believe that God has something he wants to say to you. Well, this morning, uh, this morning we have... um kind of a unique opportunity, something that I'm really looking forward to, that we get to do uh, together. One of the things we've been talking about is we've been in this series over the past couple of weeks. If you've been with us, we've been talking through this series we're calling Ancient Families and Modern Problems. And so one of the ideas in this series is that God shapes us and forms us and makes us into the people he's designed us to be through our closest relationships. So no matter what that looks like for you, whether you're a husband or wife or a mom or a dad or you're a son or you're a daughter or even your closest friends, that God uses those relationships, if we allow him to, to form us and shape us into the people that he wants us to be. And certainly one of those roles that I think that God uses in our lives is the role of being a mom, what that looks like to be a mom. That God would use that, he uses that to shape us and form us into who he wants us to be. And so this morning, uh, you know, a lot of times when we, when we want to learn things or we think about things or want to hear what God is doing, we often go outside of the room to find those answers. We bring in a former Navy SEAL or something like that to tell us what God is doing and how it works. And those are good things. But sometimes what we neglect to do is we neglect to realize that God's at work inside the room. That there's a lot that God's doing inside the room in people's hearts and lives. That he's at work in my heart, he's at work in your life, and it's good for us to share sometimes how God is doing that. So I asked three ladies in our church uh, this morning if they would come and talk a little bit about just that and share what God is doing in their family and how God is changing them and shaping them. So would you welcome Eileen Hablo and Hyun Jang and Alin Joseph to the stage this morning as they come? Good morning. Thank you very much for being here and for being willing to do this. Uh, So for the past couple of weeks, uh, I've asked these three uh, women to think about one question. I'm going to introduce that question in just a moment. But before we do, I'm going to give you an opportunity just to introduce yourself to the folks in case they don't know who you are. Okay. Let's do that. Uh, I'm Eileen Habelow, and uh, better known as Joe's wife and Eric's mom. <laughs> um, I hide back in the corner on purpose. And um, I have two other children. I have a 24-year-old daughter, Melissa. Eric's in the middle at 21, and then um, Anne-Marie is 18. And um, the only other thing that I think is important, especially because it's Mother's Day, is I was, I was raised by a single mom who I think is superwoman. And um, she had three kids under three when she turned 23. So let that sink in. I have a 24-year-old. I would die if that was her scenario. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I, learned, I grew up in a home where mom did everything, took care of everything, made it happen, and that's, you know, that was my role model, um, and a great one. That's great. 
My name is Alyn Joseph. Um, I'm Justin's wife. I have two little <laughs> I have two little boys, Ethan and Noah. So Ethan's five. You've seen them running around this building multiple times, and Noah's three. Um, and I think that's what. Okay. Good morning. My name is Hyun Jang. Uh, I'm kind of the new kids on the block, so I joined. <laughs> I joined this church. Uh, I think end of January. So I mar uh, married this song. Song, please stand up. So my husband, <laughs> please stand up. <laughs> I am uh, currently a two boys mom. I have a two boys, uh, Daniel and Matthew. Daniel is uh, 21 years old. Matthew is uh, 15 years old. So actually, so I grew up in a Buddhist family. So I is originally, I'm from South Korea. Uh, and then I grew up mom who has a really, what is it? Um, super, how to say, it's like a sacrificial. She's like a kind of, she sacrificed her life for our family. So I don't want to be a mom. I didn't want to be a mom because of, I don't have any confidence with like my mom. So my role model is like a mom is like always, you have to give, you have to give up. And also my mom gives up is her career. So I don't want to be like that. So that's why when I, when I, with Song and I, we married. So we kind of said, okay, no kids. Also, we just, we devoted our life to the God. So we are very mission oriented, whatever couple. So that's why no kids. So we have our calling is a global mission. So if we have any kids, it's like we have to travel a lot all over the world. Kids is like a roadblock. So that's why no kids. <laughs> so <laughs> just do it, whatever global mission. That's why I'm just like, again, I'm, I was an unprepared mom. I didn't want to be a mom. So that's why I just, yeah, I will share a little bit after that. So, so again, it's it's, I don't want to be a mom. So that's good. <laughs> Let's do this. Let's do this too quickly. Another, I mean, another piece of, of who you are, what you do in your world, and I think that it's going to uh, fit into this is all of you have careers on top of being a mom too. So tell us what you do uh, for work as well on top of being on top of being your role as a mom. Okay, so uh, I'm scientist. Uh, I'm just uh, what is um, I trained as a pharmaceutical chemistry. Uh, actually, is my ultimate life goal. It's, uh, before I accepted Jesus Christ. Uh, I want to be a, it's like a Nobel Prize chemistry <laughs> the recipient. That was uh, my goal. So after I accepted uh, Jesus Christ, uh, okay, so being a mom is a really kind of, I thought it's very small things. I just ignore. I just uh, disregard it. It's like being a mom. It's like a caring family and being a housewife. I, I really ignored. So that's why after I accepted Jesus Christ, okay, Jesus Christ, please provide Nobel Prize. Whenever I have, <laughs> whenever it's, I received whatever Nobel Prize, it's a big whatever Nobel Prize, it's like a ceremony. Yeah. And then, you know, each recipient made some speech. And then I can tell, okay, I honor the glory to all my glory to the God. <laughs> and then all, the, all over the world, they can hear what I did and what you honor. So that was my goal. I always focus on the big things. Not a small things. Mm. That was kind of my personality. It's like I'm very mission oriented, very aggressive, and <laughs> very I'm very goal oriented. That's why that can end up hurting others. So God That's doesn't good. want to. Be, you know what? God really cares about me. That's why God. Still, I'm working at the science field, but that's why God just like uh, make me being a mom and then accepting others. 
mm. more. Yeah. And then starting being a mom is God making me inside. It's like equip me. And the more like a solid, and not solid, it's a soft heart. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. That's good. And Alin, what did you want to win the Nobel Prize in? <laughs> Kidney disease. Kidney disease. That's good. <laughs> so I'm a nephrologist. I'm a kidney doctor. Um, I I think for me it's a little bit different because I'm, you know, especially when you start training, no one expects you to have children, and it's very difficult to have children actually while you're training. Um, and I had both of them during training, which I think they, my, the people in the program probably wanted to kill me. Um, and it was a hard time. I had a hard time with them because I had, their kids are only 20 months apart. I had both of them during my fellowship. I had four weeks off for, which was my vacation, for both of them. So that made it very difficult and it was a stressful time. And, you know, in our field, everything is so career-oriented. If people have children... And that's an if. They would have them probably in their later 40s or not have them at all. And so it almost looks like a roadblock or a hindrance in your career at that point. But I think it's been a great, it's been so great to have them and just for them to be able to see exactly where we are. They come with me to work sometimes and they come into the dialysis unit sometimes. And, you know, they just, it's just wonderful to have them be a part of it. That's great. Um, I have always worked in um, human resources, and when I worked for companies, I traveled extensively. Um, and uh, at some point, Joe, we decided that I couldn't keep up all of this travel, and Joe worked and I worked, and we were constantly panicking if somebody got sick, or frankly, we'd send them to school um, because we had to, <laughs> um, which, just being honest. No, I appreciate yeah. that honesty. That's really what everyone does, and yeah. they just pretend so, they don't. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Motrin, they're fine. Um, and then, you know, at one point we decided that one of us had to stay home and um, it just worked out that it was better that Joe stayed home and I kept working and I still traveled a lot. And then when they all turned into teenagers, I realized that this was a really important time to be home. You know, a lot of times, some, a lot of people like to be home when they're little. No, I want to be home when they're teenagers. I want to be closer to home and not traveling. So I took a local job and then just after a year of that, so about four years ago, I started my own company because I wanted, I still wanted to work, I still have to work, um, and I still love to work, but I wanted to be a lot more in control of what I could do, mainly because, um, well, of all three of them, but mainly because our youngest one, who will be the theme of a few of my comments, um, <laughs> definitely benefited, well, she might not agree, but I think it was smart for mom to be home yeah. while she was in okay. those ages. Good. Yeah. So here's, here's the big question, um, and I, Eileen runs our slides, so she said, are you sure you want me to talk, because who will run the slides? So, oh, there we go, yes. Totally replaced. Look at that, totally replaced by a machine. Uh, this is the big question I wanted us to think about, and I've asked them to think about over the last couple of weeks. What have you learned about God through your role as a mom? And how has God used motherhood to shape you into his image? And I ask this question knowing that not everyone in the room falls into the category as mom. But you have close relationships. It could be family. It could be friends. But you have close relationships that if you'll allow God to use them, God will use them to shape them into who he wants you to be. And so I hope that we're talking specifically about being a mom this morning. But I hope for all of us that you'll listen and apply because I think God works the exact same way through other relationships in our lives 
as well. But for you three, how have you lo- what have you learned about God through your role as a mom, and how has God used motherhood to shape you into his image? Um, so one of the things that um, I've learned about God through being a mom is, you know, I have, I have this intense love for my kids, and I want big things for them, and I pray constantly for them. And then I think, God loves them more than that. And, and I just can't, I just, I can't fathom it. I don't understand how anybody could love my children more than I do, right? In fact, we always say, I say, who loves you more? And most of the time they'll say no one. But sometimes everybody, every once in a while, somebody will say, well, God does, you know? And that just is unfathomable to me that someone could love and want more for my kids than, than I do. And so I, I just, I reflect on how big he is and how big his love is and how we have no clue how deep and how wide and how much he cares. Um, you know, if, if he's, I just have no clue. So yeah. that's one thing that I've really learned about God from, um, through being a mom. That's great. I think for me is I'm a worrier. So I tend to worry a lot and you don't always fully grasp how much God has a plan and a purpose for us and a he knows what the future is holding. And when you're in the moments and in the days, because we struggled, we, we, especially in the early on, we struggled with, with child care, especially in training and both of us working and we don't have family around. So we struggled a lot with child care. You know, we lost, we had an issue with our nanny and we had to let her go. And we, we struggled at those moments. And I still remember, like, we would... We worked close by, which made, made things much easier, like a couple blocks away from each other, we worked. And so I would go see a patient, I'd run out, but I, when, um, you know, we'd swap off in between, Justin would have a meeting, we'd put him in the stroller, we'd meet in the middle of the street, we'd swap back. We've had other people watching our kids like in the offices, in the meantime, just trying to get by in those moments. And in the, in the minute, you don't realize how you're going to get through the next day or the next few days, but you get through it and God has a greater purpose and you look back and it's amazing how he let everything work and let everything unfold the way that it did. He had a better plan in place, and he knows what our needs are and what our worries are, and he takes care of it completely. For me, uh, I learned uh, through the motherhood um, God's wisdom and grace and generosity. It's like if I'm the God's head, he's not going to use like me. Because of, you know what, I, I'm not con- what is qualified is God's eyes because I'm very, very aggressive. I don't want to accept others. <laughs> so my personality is really kind of, I have a temper. I'm not going to use. God, I'm not going to use like me. But it's God, it's like include me. It's his work. Equip, in the shape me, it's like uh, using the motherhood. It's like, again, it's like I didn't want to be a mom. Because I just like uh, disregard, okay, being a you know, mom is like, oh, and it's all small things. But God equip me. God shape me. He mold me using the motherhood. And then he, I don't know, but he still used me. Like, so mind, I thought he used me now. So that's why it's like, God is so gracious. Also his wisdom, not other things, he used motherhood to me, is in my life. So I learned God's wisdom, generosity, and grace. Mm, that's good. I mean, in what other ways has God shaped you 
This is what, you know, we learn about God, that, that he has this great love, and he's got it under control, you know, and he's, all these things. What, but what, how have you changed? Uh, how has God used this to, to change you, make you into, more into his image? Um, so I, I thought of a few examples. Um, one of the things that God has used my children to do, and, and I'll start with Eric, um, the 21-year-old with Downs who dances in the front. Um, I, I remember when um, Melissa was born as the oldest, and I think like most of us, we say, oh, she's so smart. Like, I, I can just see her developing faster than every kid in the neighborhood. Like, this is so amazing. And, you know, I'm so excited, and we're, you know, she thought carrots were candy till she was three. And, but so we just, I just had this big, grand picture of my daughter, and we found out that um, Eric had Downs when I was still pregnant. And I honestly remember God literally tapping me on the shoulder and saying, how are you going to judge the success of this little guy? Hmm. Right? How important is it now that she's the smart kid on? And I was, I was totally convicted, number one. And number two, it, it started a, a pattern of um, God just rooting out judgment the way the world judges. And it started with that interaction. It was literally an interaction. I can picture myself in the living room in Georgia and it was, a, it was the first time that God said, you're not going to judge like the world judges. It's just not the way to judge. And that has continued. And another um, really big soft spot I have is for teenage girls in general. And, and this, I have such a, I'm so pained by the world separating kids, girls, into the good girl group and the bad girl group when they're 13. And I have, and God's just given me, and that's all God, but to have a heart, right? Because our natural instinct is to do what the world does because that's what we're surrounded by. But I, um, I look for those girls who are, who the world is actually labeling good girls and bad girls. And I'm very involved in sports with the girls. Um, and so, and again, it's all God. It's not, it's not my natural tendency. And I'll, I, I remember one opportunity I had to speak with a parent, a Belmont parent who I really like, like, we're really good friends, I know he respects me, and he said, but what about that so-and-so, one of the girls I was coaching? And I remember God going, do it, do it, do it, do it, and I said, you know what, so-and-so, she's going to be just fine because I was one of those bad girls labeled at 13. Look, like we have to start thinking about um, and just judging and seeing people how God sees us. And that, mm-hmm. that's just something that he's worked, starting with Eric. But, hmm. you know, it's, it's a constant prick for me. That's good. Yep. That's good. I love having Eric here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we love having him here. And for me, when this question was posed, I was trying to sit there and think about exactly what to say or what came to mind or how, this, how motherhood has shaped me. Sometimes it's hard when you don't sit down and think about it. Um, I was sitting there early in the morning, so I'm usually one of the first ones to rise, and the one of the kids, it doesn't, they take turns sometimes, I don't know how it works, but one of them comes pitter-pattering down the steps, and all you hear is, mama, 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 and like, you know, they come searching for you, they come looking for you, and it's just kind of amazing to see how 
these little children. I know it's not going to be like this later on. You know, we're just in those phases of life where we, we are the center of their world, where they come searching for you and they, they want to find you. They want to sit, they literally like will sit at my feet, you know, when I'm like washing the dishes or reading or doing, doing something else, they come and sit at my feet. And then I'm like, I can't imagine, like God wants us to come before his presence, to seek him out early, early in the morning, to come before him, to give him all we have, to literally lay at his feet um, and just come before his presence, regardless of like what circumstances, whatever arguments we had with them the day before about getting to bed, do, putting on their pajamas, whatever it may be, the day before, regardless of what that is, you know, they forget about it and they come before his presence, which is just... It just reminds me how much God wants us to come before him and come to him and seek, seek him out. Mm, that's good. So exactly is like a, what is a, what is a, a question was, a, what, what was the question exactly? <laughs> I just kind of <laughs> no, how is, how is God using you to shape you into his image? Ah, okay. Yeah. So again, it's like my personality is like I don't, hear, I don't what is it, take any ad, uh, advice from others. I'm very stubborn. So <laughs> that's why, but it's like, I'm very stubborn. That's why God uses, for me, my case is a scripture. So I read, I'm just like kind of, I'm very kind of a heavy reader of the scripture. I read the scripture. It's like, I'm just working at the lab. Sometimes whatever spare time, I always read scripture or listen to the sermon. That's the kind of, uh, the old days, my just like activity. And one day, it's like God, uh, it was a scripture. Second uh, Peter, uh, chapter 3 and verse 9, it was, uh, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that only should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And I just want to, I, that verse is like a kind of sticker came to me, and then I want to uh, apply this one. It's like a, that uh, opportunity is not comes right away. And then later on, my, when my son was in uh, his high school sophomore, he wants to have a uh, ear piercing. So I was kind of shocking. My husband and I, <laughs> my husband, he works in theological seminary. I was really shocking. I cannot take it. And then my son said, no matter what, mom, I want to do that. And then I just I told okay let's wait one week we'll think about it and then we'll pray about it and then we'll let you know and then my son's response was no matter what I will do it okay it was kind of really big thing in our family and my husband and I we discussed and then first response my response was a kind of embarrassment and kind of shame and then what other people is gonna say about my son what other people we are kind of you know we outside. World, it's like people thought, well, oh, yeah, they're very faithful family, blah, blah. But it's like, my son has a ear piercing. It's like, oh, my God, what can I do? It's going to be a big thing. I, was, I cannot take it. I cannot take it. And then my husband and I, we pray and pray. And then suddenly this verse comes up. And then God told me, I never ashamed you. Please be patient. You will be fine. What you're going to do is using this verse. Please apply. Please apply. And then we said, okay, we have to take it. And then my husband and I, okay, let's sell. I just told this to my son. 
Okay, let's celebrate your ear piercing. And then so this weekend, we all go to the mall. <laughs> <laughs> and then he... <laughs> I, I, I was, I, I, I couldn't think, I was, I was really upset, but I cannot, but it's expressed. I was kind of like this. <laughs> My son was really happy. And then after he had a ear piercing, and then we went to a um, restaurant, and then we had a dinner together. And then, yes, yeah, still, now on, until eight years old, eight, eight, after eight years, still he has a ear piercing. He's a, he's a graduate student, but still he has a ear, ear piercing. But whenever I see his ear, okay, I have to take it out. I have to take it out. Still there. But God used these kind of opportunities, like, uh, how to say, it's like, uh, um, yes, train my patient. How yeah. you just, like, yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> I really appreciate the three of you being willing to share uh, how God is at work in your families and how he's at work in your life. I think this is really valuable, and I hope you feel the exact same way. No matter what your, your family situation looks like, to understand how God is at work in and through our daily lives and our relationships and our interactions. It's not just, it's, and it's, he's at work in all of our lives. Uh, and so it's good for us to share those stories. So thank you for being vulnerable. You can share whatever you'd like. Just one thing just came yeah. to mind, and I want to share because a lot of people in the church will know. So Bev Picarillo happens to be my sister-in-law, and it's um, Pastor Rick's mother. And um, it, this just came to me, and I thought this will be cool. because um, So her four children are absolutely amazing on all fronts. They're just amazing. And I remember when Joe and I started having kids, I said to Bev one day, um, we might have even been at Pastor Rick's wedding, and I said, I hope my kids turn out like yours turn out. Like, it's, it's just amazing. Like, what do you do? And I literally was like, bring it. Come on, Bev, tell and do you know what she said? She said, I just pray. I'll never forget it. And I remember thinking, well, thanks a lot, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, she's so, like, that's all you can do. Yeah. That's all you can do is pray. And they're his before they're yours, and they're his after you're yours, and they're better off being God's kids than they are being our kids, right? So I just, that just kind of popped into my head, and I remember Bev saying, oh, I just pray. It's like, okay, well, I can do that, right? <laughs> so I just thought that was That's good. It's important, yeah. It's a good reminder. Thank you. Would you guys thank Eileen and Alain and Hyun for sharing this morning? Thanks so much. Thank you, guys. I just have one quick thought that I want to offer you this morning, and actually what Eileen shared at the end there uh, goes right along with it. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you felt completely overwhelmed by life? For some of you, you're saying right now. <laughs> uh, for some of us, it was yesterday. For some of us, it was this morning. Uh, but uh, my guess is, for most of us in the room, it's, it's recently. Recently, in some way, the things of this world and the cares of this life have overwhelmed us. And I only think this is getting worse as we continue to go, as we continue to improve our efficiencies uh, as a culture, I think that we are, uh, we only create this sense uh, that we are, there's so much to know and so much to keep up on and so many relationships to have and so many things that are important and vital, so many things that people tell us we should be doing. It's easy to get overwhelmed. The question I want you to think about right now for the next couple of moments is what do you do when you're overwhelmed? What do you do when you're in that moment? Certainly, as we're talking about motherhood, I don't think that there is anyone who has ever played the role of mom that would tell you there hasn't been multiple points in that process where they've been overwhelmed 
with all that there is to do and all the responsibility that there is and to maintain everything that's going on in life and also play that role in the family. But all of us know what that's like. We know what it's like to be completely overwhelmed. So what do you do in those moments? A couple of years ago, uh, uh, the COO of Facebook, a woman by the name of Sheryl Sandberg, she put out a book that immediately became a bestseller, and it was called Lean In. And it was advice to women, women who are working in careers, women who are moms, women who are playing many different roles in their life. And she said, this is what you should do. What do you do when you're overwhelmed, when life is too much, when there's too many things going on? You should lean into that. You want to prove that you're valuable, you want to prove that you're successful, lean into every role that you have. If you're in the career, if you have a career, lean into that career and be the best that you can be. If you have an opportunity, take it. Don't say no. If you are a mom or you're in a, in a relationship, pursue that as, as, as hard as you can. That was her piece of advice. Anything that you find yourself doing, ladies, she would say, you are to lean into it. And when life gets overwhelming and things seem like they're too much, lean into those situations. Try harder. Work. Basically, that's the point of the book. When you find yourself at these crossroads where you're overwhelmed and and things are too much, try harder. Work harder. Do more. Lean into it. Now, a couple years uh, after this book came out, there was a woman who was also very successful. She's a Georgetown law professor. Her name is Rosa Brooks. And I hadn't heard about this article until I was recently reading something online, actually written by uh, Brian Wilkerson, who's the senior pastor over at Grace Chapel. And he brought up this article that is by this woman named Rosa Brooks, who's also very successful. And it's online. It's on a website I'd never heard of before called foreignpolicy.com. And Rosa Brooks, as a law professor at Georgetown, is very involved in many of the things that happen on Capitol Hill. And she wrote this article. And in the article, she says something that is, that is very bold. She says that she read Sheryl Sandberg's book, Lean In, and she's very successful in her career. She's also a mother, does many different things. And she bought it hook, line, and sinker. She said yes to everything, every opportunity, every conference to speak at, every chance to be involved in government and politics. Politics. And in this article, she says these words, quote, I hate Sheryl Sandberg. She says, now I'm sure she's a nice person and everything, but I hate my life after I applied the principles of her book. She said, I am so tired and burned out. And I realized that my desire to be seen as success, my desire to be successful in work and family, and my desire to be treated as an equal, as a woman in the workplace, was not fulfilled by leaning into every opportunity I've been given. She said, in fact, I have a new strategy to prove my worth and to rescue my life. Every time I have an opportunity, I'm going to recline. I'm going to lean out. No more pushing, 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 pushing. I'm going to throw my hands up. And guess what you're going to realize? You're going to realize just how valuable I am. And you're going to finally take me seriously. And so she offered women the exact opposite advice. Where Sheryl Sandberg said, lean in and try harder. Rosa Brooks said, lean out and take your hands off. Don't say, I can, under my own strength. Say, I won't. And guess what will happen? Everyone will realize how valuable and important you really are when you take your hands off. So what do you do in your life? Two very successful people giving us the exact opposite advice. My guess is if we had Sheryl Sandberg here as a speaker, she wouldn't back down from Lean In. 
And Rosa Brooks, if she was here, would give us the exact opposite piece of advice. So what do you do? What are you to do when you're in those places that you're totally overwhelmed by your life, by the situations that come up? Do you lean into those? Do you try harder? Or do you just throw your hands up and lean out and stay away from those kinds of places? There's a woman that, li- that lived a long time ago. You got it. There's a woman that li- lived a long time ago. And she helps us answer that question. She helps us answer that question. Her story is told in 1 Samuel chapter 1, and her name was Hannah. And in 1 Samuel chapter 1, uh, she finds herself in a place like this, totally overwhelmed by life, totally overwhelmed by circumstances. Here's Hannah's circumstance. She's married to a man named Elkanah. And this man, as happened in the ancient world, had two wives. One was Hannah, and one was named Penina. And so he had these two wives, and here was the deal. He favored Hannah, and it was no secret. Gave her extra gifts. Loved her more than Penina. And so what happened is, is Penina got very jealous of this. Here was the other thing that separated them. Penina had children. Hannah really desperately wanted children and could have none. And so where Hannah was favored by her husband, uh, this other wife would come in and the Bible says would torment her with the fact that she did not have any children, would mock her and ridicule her and make fun of her. And it put Hannah in a situation where she was totally overwhelmed, totally frustrated, completely upset and didn't know what to do. One time she was in the temple of God and the priest at that time was a man named Eli And in this situation, totally overwhelmed, not knowing what to do, Hannah walked into the temple. Eli was watching, and here's what happened. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 10. Hannah was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son... Then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli, that's the priest, observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart. Only her lips moved, and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, How long will you go on being drunk? Put away your wine. Put wine away from you. But Hannah answered, No, my Lord. I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Here Hannah is at this point, speaking as she says, out of great anxiety and vexation. She's coming to this place. She calls herself a deeply troubled and distressed woman. Doesn't know how to handle this situation wants children and can't have them, has this other rival within her family living in her home who torments her every single day and makes her life a, a, miserable, play, a miserable thing to live. And what does she do? And so she goes and she's speaking out of this. In fact, she's so bothered that when the priest sees her and how she's moving and how uh, she's acting and, and, and as she's crying out to the Lord, Eli the priest sees her and assumes because she's so emotive and so bothered that she's drunk. That's the place that Hannah's in. And you've been there. 
You've been in that place where life is so overwhelming and the situation you're in, the cards that you've been dealt, you look at them and you just don't know what to do with them. You don't even know what your next play is. And the question is, in that moment, in that place, what do you do? Does Hannah lean into the situation? Does she go back into that house and assert her rights and who she is and tell that that other woman not to do this and complain to her husband who loves her and try to fix that whole thing? Does she throw her hands up and lean out and say, forget it, I'm out of this place. I'm done dealing with this. No, she does something very different. And I heard someone say it earlier. She does something very different. And it's the same thing you and I need to do. Hannah walks into the temple. She doesn't lean out of the situation. She doesn't lean into it. Instead, she leans on God. Pours out her heart to the Lord, the Bible says. Takes all of that stuff that she's dealing with. All of those things, the desire for a child that isn't happening, this terrible home life that she doesn't want to live each and every day, and she walks into that place, and rather than trying to deal with it under her own strength, rather than running away from it and throwing up her hands and saying, I won't deal with this, Hannah walks into the presence of God, and she leans on the God who can and who will. She takes all of that stuff and places it into God's hand and leans on him. And look what happens. Once she gives all that stuff to the Lord and Eli realizes what she's doing, Eli says to her, then Eli answered, go in peace and the God of Israel grant you your petition that you have made to him. And she said, let your servant find favor in your eyes. And then look what happens. Then the woman went away and ate and her face was no longer sad. The request hadn't yet been answered. Hannah had no idea how this was all going to play out. But yet because she was willing to come into God's presence and lean on him, all of a sudden she had the confidence that God was going to handle this thing, that God was going to take care of it. It didn't mean that Hannah didn't do anything. It didn't mean that she still didn't put in her effort. But all the effort was based on the fact that God was in control, not that she was in control. Not that she could handle the whole situation, but that she knew God was going to handle that situation. You know, when Jesus came down to this earth, his message was similar. He said to uh, the crowds, he said, come to me. In Matthew chapter 11, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Are you burdened? Are you overwhelmed? Are you trying to fix everything and it's not working? Or are you so fed up with everything that's going on in your life that you're throwing your hands up and just walking away from it? God would tell us that if we really want to find peace and comfort, if you really want to find hope in those situations, if you really want to find something that will satisfy your soul and provide you the rest that you are searching for, that we would not lean in on our own strength, that we would not lean out and throw up our hands and not care. We would lean on God who is in control, who is the one that offers us rest, knowing that he has those situations. And so I'm going to invite our worship team up this morning, and I'm going to ask you, where are the places in your life where you need to lean on the Lord? 
Where are the places in your life where you are trying to accomplish it under your own strength? You are trying to fix things. You're trying to handle things. You're trying to keep everything in order and trying to keep all the pieces together. It's like a, it's like a, a, a juggler or one of those old plate spinners on the Lawrence Welk show or something like that. Just trying to keep everything going. Running back and forth like a crazy person. Trying to keep all the plates spinning or all the balls up in the air. And no matter how hard you try, no matter how fast you run, there is this feeling that eventually things are going to start crashing to the floor. Where are those places in your life where that's the way that you feel? Where are those places where you've just gotten so fed up with it that you're walking away and you know that's not the right thing to do? You know you should pursue those places. You know you should pursue reconciliation. You know you should pursue forgiveness. You know you should pursue those places. But you're just so overwhelmed and tired. You're throwing up your hands and just walking away from the whole situation. Where are those places? And this morning, would you be willing to stop relying on your own strength and stop giving up and put those things in the hands of God and trust him in those places? Would you be willing to take those things and say, God, I don't have this thing, but I trust that you do? I promise you that if you do, you will find peace and joy that exists nowhere else. And so this morning as we close our time together, we're going to do a couple of things. Our worship team is going to play up front here. And if you are thinking about this this morning and you're thinking about these places in your life where you are overwhelmed, these unresolved situations that you're not sure how you're going to get take taken care of, I'm going to offer you two ways to bring those to God this morning. One way would be to come up front to this altar and to spend time just alone between you and the Lord, talking to him and praying to him and offering those things up to him. The other way would be to meet either myself or my wife or Bill or Karen Sullivan, our elders, in the back, and we'll pray with you. Either way, if you're in that spot this morning, let's take some moments, and before we leave this room, put those things in God's hand. Trust him with those places. You can do it on your own right here at this altar or in your chair, or please come back. We want to pray with you. But as we close, would you stand with me and let me pray for us, and then we'll worship God together. Even as I pray, if you're in that place where you're like, I need to do this this morning. I need to give these things to God. Go to the back. Come up front. Let's spend this time in God's presence together. God, we thank you that you're in this place. God, we thank you for the truth that even when the things of this life are overwhelming, even when the things of this world are too much to bear, they are never too much for you to bear, that you always have things under control, and that you offer us the opportunity to place all of those cares, all of those burdens, all of those situations in your hand. And that when we do, you will be faithful to take them. And you will be faithful to provide us your comfort and your peace. So we offer those things to you now in these moments. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take time to worship God and respond to his word today. Hey, thanks again for listening to this sermon from the Belmont campus of Mount Hope. If you live in the Belmont area, we'd love to have you join us each Sunday at 10 a.m. Or if you'd like to know more about Mount Hope Christian Center with campuses in Burlington and Belmont, Massachusetts, you can visit our website at www.mounthope.org.